guys. Welcome to Hair Metal Memories. We are your hosts. I'm Brian. Wee, wee, wow. I'm Aaron, yeah. <laughs> and welcome to episode 10, part two. Um, this the is, search for more money. <laughs> this is our uh, special end of the season call-in show um, where we're having guests and friends and things like that call in and talk to us about hair metal. Um, last time we had a really good time. We had a couple guests and uh, and that went really well. This is part two of more conversations because we had too much good stuff. We didn't want to cut anything out. So, uh, so this is kind of like a bonus. Um, our first guest uh, today on this call-in show is Evan Taylor. Evan Taylor is a sound guy here in Ames. Um, Iowa. He's run sound at multiple clubs and things like that. So he has a lot of background in. He like, has uh, run sound for yeah. everybody sitting in this room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and many other rooms. And many other rooms. <laughs> yeah, um, and just a little bit of a heads up. We are figuring out technology here and stuff. So we started. Uh, we we called Evan and we thought we were recording and we weren't. So just to give you a little bit of context of the conversation, we started out talking about hair metal and his first exposure to it was through the Grand Theft Auto games. Um, so that should give you enough background to get caught up pretty quickly. Um, and remember, kids, violent video games are objectively more fun. Right. <laughs> Mindo cry, they stand in the rain and listen to V Rock. <laughs> yeah, man, V Rock got me into uh got me into hair metal and metal in general, really. Oh. And uh I was looking back and listening to some of the uh the hits. I'm not gonna lie, I actually just hooked up my PS2 to the uh the TV and started driving around so I could play some uh some Vice City. Nice. Holy crap, it's a it's a killer fucking um just killer lineup, killer selection, even if it's what the corporate overlords told them to play or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, um, and that's one of those games, actually in Vice City, more, I think more so than almost any of the other games. I love every freaking station on that one. Oh, like, dude, absolutely. I, I mean, mean, yeah, the rock one's totally awesome. But, you know, like, uh, no, nah, they're all good. Like, mm-hmm. eventually, like, there was a time when I got a, got into uh, the taxi cabbing missions real hard. And I started oh, yeah. listening to uh, the talk radio. That one was pretty good. Uh, Maurice Chavez. Um, Maurice Chavez. Pardon the question. Pardon oh. the question with Maurice Chavez. Maurice Chavez. He's, 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 he's in like, I think he's in every radio station from Vice City onwards, isn't he? I believe it. Because yeah. like, I know, I know he's in five. I just played some five not long ago. Yeah. Is he, he a real radio show host around. or is he fictional? He's, uh, uh, I, it's hard to tell because like one of the other guys who's a, who's been a DJ on almost every single Grand Theft Auto game is uh, uh, Laszlo, and he's a real person. Okay. And he basically plays, you know, an exaggerated, fictionalized version of himself. And okay. I think he's, Laszlo was the host, he was of the V-Rock. DJ on, on V-Rock, on the Hair Rock station on Vice City. But yeah. then like he was like on, and he's been like a talk radio host on there and he's hosted other stations, but he, he always shows up and he's actually part of the storyline of GTA Five. Oh yeah, wow. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that was funny. I, I was listening to some of the clips from the, the Vice City with uh, with the wife and like the way the station starts is Laszlo's like introducing himself and it's all about him being like really full of himself and stuff. And it's like, I was kicked out of school in the 12th grade. <laughs> and it chimes in with like, yeah, I was too. They gave me a piece of paper that said I could never come back. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. That's right, man. It's been too long since I've played that game. I remember oh, reading classic. that uh, Flying Lotus had a station on on, on five. On, yes, is it on five? five? Okay, yeah, very good really station. Good. Yeah, and I'm yeah. a I'm a big fan of Flying Lotus, uh, which has nothing Gaming. to do with hair metal. Like, <laughs> but, all of them, I think. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, but I always wanted to yeah. hear it. I wanted to play the game just to listen to that radio station. <laughs> well, you have a you have an Xbox, right? Yeah. You want to borrow go. my copy? I don't have an Xbox right now. Sure. Boom! Oh Done. wow! Look at that! Yeah, I've never, I've never played. I've played just a tiny little bit of Grand Theft Auto, but not very much. Oh, dude, you're gonna love it! You get to be three different characters in that one, and like split wow. personality. That's pretty fucking metal. That is pretty fucking metal. It's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah. So, um, who, who are some of the her- all back in? Bringing it all back in. Yeah, two minutes to midnight. So Iron Maiden is on that station. Nice. Uh, but Too Young to Fall in Love. My Motley favorite Crue, Motley Crue song. Oh, dude. That shit is hair metal as it gets. And isn't there Whammy. a... 
Is it hair or is it glam? I mean, it's hard to tell. The Honestly, th- they can be used interchangeably. Uh, yeah. I don't really know that there's like a... No, there is like glam rock, like right. as like, you David know, Bowie, Bowie, T-Rex and stuff like that, but it's... Yeah, that's not hair metal And I mean, sure, when you get but, right down to it, 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 I'm sorry if I offend anybody, but you know, a lot of the hair stuff is kind of just a straight line evolution of that. It is. You yeah. know, I mean, like... It's just one particular avenue that came from, right. from Bowie and T-Rex and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, well, it the came hair from rocks- Mark Bolin getting weird in like a more marketable way. Yeah. Yeah. And with more like uh, virtuosic guitar solos. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that's one of the few differences. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Man, the flying riffs are the best part about that hair metal for me, man. Like... Well, there was a there was like a whole bunch of there was a whole bunch of bands that maybe didn't always have the best songwriting, but they'd have this guitar player that was just astounding. Right, and you know you could make it through some of these songs just because you're like, well, this, some of the stuff this person's doing is just really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you mash that up with the uh, the driving, you know, sort of uh, pace of the rhythm section, and it's just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but how do you guys feel about the ballads? Depend- largely against right. but depends same. on the ballad yeah i think it's okay. i wouldn't want to dismiss all of them because that right. that seems not fair yeah it's diminutive diminutive to do that sure yeah uh i mean and i and like i always really liked rat a lot because they just didn't put any ballads on their records <laughs> you right. know it was um, all bangers yeah absolutely front to back and like <laughs> I don't know. A lot of them are just kind of cheeseball, and it, it sounds weird to say now, but I actually think that like, I think the ballads from Warren and Cinderella are pretty decent. Yeah, okay. just because I I think those two got Tom Kiefer and and Janie Lane. I think they're actually pretty decent songwriters, and they mm-hmm. are better at making a, a, a ballad that's decent. Sure, sure. Yeah, I like uh, "Be With You." By Mr. Big, I think that that's a I think that's a catchy, tuneful, melodic song that is like you know it's like Beatles quality basically of uh, you know in terms of like you know if you're, if you're going to write a ballad it should be at least you know poppy and move move along and stuff like that you know the, the sappy ones where it's like girl <laughs> and it was probably Pat Torpy's favorite song to play. <laughs> <Lady>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The I I I mean, most of the ballads reek of cash grabs, which is like the part that is not very fun about them. Um, and that's and I'm generalizing pretty grossly there. But uh, I also the thing that I don't really like about them, other than that, is that that is mostly what hair metal gets remembered for. Is that when you think hair metal, you're thinking of like, every rose yeah, has its thorn, right? Yeah, you're thinking about <laughs> getting your lighter out and like you know and all of that stuff and uh, and you know and kind of the purpose of our show is to steer things away from that. <laughs> so it's like, look, there was fair. yeah, that was a, that was a that was a very small portion of the music. <laughs> Not to letter Kenny it up, but to be fair, um, <laughs> you know, like, the, the ballads did have some of the best videos. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because that this all happened during the MTV era, where it, right. you know, I mean, one one of the big record labels would not give a second thought about, oh, you want a quarter of a million dollars to make a video? Here you go, whatever, have fun, mm-hmm. boys. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure it was great at the time, but like uh, uh, a good example of that is I was I was reading an interview with uh, Tommy Victor of the band Prong, and he was talking about how technically hit the the entity that is his band still owes Atlantic Records money for all the money they spent on their videos. Like, and this is like in like 92, 93, 94. That's incredible. That's incredible. So, you know, I mean, it's, we got to watch a lot of really cool videos, but boy, there's some, I mean. Yeah, people had to pay for those. When you, when you think about how inherently ephemeral they are, it's like, you just spent how many, how much money on this thing that's going to have like its moment for like Mm -hmm. five seconds and then be done, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I mean, consider how poorly, given the themes of hair metal and metal in general, like a lot of those have aged. Correct. Yep. Yep. I mean, like, you know, so much of it, like, uh, I know that Led Zeppelin gets like so much shit for this for like, you know, either being horny or like off in Tolkien land. But like, uh, man, hair metal is so horny. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, you know, by that law, I mean, it's not really that different than the 70s. I mean, you know. (laughs) <laughs> One of the things about the big big guitar, big amp driven rock and roll is usually a lot of horny dudes. Yeah. I think we should get bumper stickers printed up that say hair metal is so horny. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
<laughs> I mean, like, absolutely, right? But, like, isn't that the main reason a lot of people learn guitar in the first place? Yeah, get chicks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember re- uh, many years ago re- reading an interview with Carlos Santana and uh, kind of along those lines, but he's like, yeah, I dropped out of school when I was like a 10 years old. He's like, they were talking about crap I didn't care about. I wanted to hear about the jazz people. We didn't learn about that in school, so I left. So I could go learn about, just talk about guitar stuff all the time. <laughs> I mean, when you see the trajectory of what he's done, that may have been a good idea. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, good. You heard it here, kids. Don't finish school. <laughs> you can be just like Carlos Santana. Yeah, worked out well. <laughs> or like Laszlo, get kicked out. That's right. Uh, for our listeners who don't know Evan Taylor, he he uh, runs sound for a lot of bands and stuff. So I just thought I'd I'd postulate the question: uh, Have you ever run sound for a hair metal band? I have actually. I have. And really? One time I would say, like, I have run sound for a true hair metal, like, glam rock sort of band. It was a superbly positive experience. Really? It really was. Okay, so, like, the thing that uh, a lot of people have maybe heard me say once or twice is that um, metal bands are, let's say, persnickety. Persnickety is a nice word to use. <laughs> I appreciate the diplomacy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, rightly so. Like, they have a lot of things going on. They have big ass drum kits. They have uh, insane sort of like pedal board. It's effect. production. Yeah, there's a lot of production that goes into what they are doing. And game recognized game. That's awesome. But sometimes it's a loss when you're not like sending a stage plot ahead of time or something like that. Oh um, sure. You know, one of the things that you're gonna find is that like, okay, so I love Green Death to death for instance. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I saw one of the shows you ran sound for them. It was great. Or no, wait. I opened up for them that night. Yeah, yeah. And that was a, that was an awesome time. It was a great... Uh, they're a great band. Um, they're a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, they're going to arrive at the venue before you do as a sound guy. And that always kind of makes you feel like you're a step behind in the first place. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're very particular about what's in the monitors and all that. And, like, that's cool. That's your right that you're, you're a musician. You need to do your job well. Mm-hmm. Um... That said, it can kind of can turn into like uh, not confrontational, but like there are some heated moments where like if you're not dialing it in just as perfect as uh, as they would like, it kind of gets they get angry, you know, a little bit. Um, but with this glam rock band, and I sure to God wish that I could remember their name. Um, I don't know, a little bit less complicated. Uh, kinder, gentler people to work with. Maybe that's the uh, the glamness of it. Like when mm-hmm. you're wearing makeup, you can't be like angry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that could be part of it. Yeah, you um, tell that yeah. to the black metal bands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, and to be uh, fair, you know, yeah, so me- metal guys are angry, right? I mean, you know, it doesn't it doesn't carry all the way across, you know, necessarily. No, but, no. Um, you know, I, I think it was actually part of the uh, the Kickstart the Month music series. If you guys remember that, that uh, Kickstart the Sun used to have up at DG's. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were the uh, the last band of the night. You know, this was the point where we put Kickstart in the middle. And um, they just had a lovely set. It was, um, you know, appropriately melodic, uh, melodic you know, soaring riffs. Um, just fun, fun rock and roll, man. I think they even brought in their own lights. And that was one of the first times that, that like, happened when I was working sound. And... Uh, Production wow. was up, you know, they sounded good, everybody was happy, we were grooving, good crowd. That was a fun time. I, I enjoy running sound for some hair metal bands. Nice. In a very limited sort of sampling size, mind you. <laughs> yeah, it isn't it isn't the deepest uh uh, uh sample pool. <laughs> well, fortunately here in Iowa there's not a lot of them, so <laughs> no. <laughs> but they're fun. Yeah. Fun. Green Death is fun. There's some good hard rock bands. Like hell yeah. <laughs> not, any, uh, not any wrong answers. Uh, what about you guys? I'm sure you've played on the uh, the bill with at least one or two. I I honestly don't. Th- well, I, I the last time I can remember ever like sharing a stage with like kind of glam hair band. It was like a cover band, and. They would do like some Iron Maiden songs, but they do some Motley Crue and they even had like some Alice in Chains covers in their set. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were kind of hair. I remember being really nice guys. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, 
But that's about, I think that's like the only time I've ever played a show with like a glam band. <sighs> yeah, I saw a metal band uh, once at Dino's and they were really stupidly good. I couldn't believe that they, and they were from like, like here in Ames or Nevada or something. And I was shocked I didn't know them. And they were doing like Iron Maiden covers and things like that. And they were, they, I mean, they were all yeah, ridiculously why, good musicians. Why don't we know who? Yeah. yeah this, I remember talking to them afterwards. I was like, where are, you, where are you from? And where did you come from? And what's going on? And they're like, oh, we don't play very often. We just play in our garage and stuff. And I was like, man, I would love to play a show with you guys. And, and were these old guys? They were like, older guys, yeah. Yeah, they're older guys who were like way into metal, and they were all very proficient players. I was, you know, I was. Was it a uh, me, Spencer, or J show? I want to oh, say good. it was a J show. Yeah, I think okay. I think Jay was running sound at that time because it was like fairly early on in the evolution of uh, Dino's having having music at all. Where they just have music like once a week. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Now that the angry Irishman makes me want to. Smash things, be like, is this one angry Irishman look like? <laughs> we only let the yeah. Dropkick Murphys play here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've played shows with a bunch of metal bands, though. They're, uh, and um, I, you know, most of the time, whenever I, I, when you know, most of the music that I've been involved with, whenever a metal band would play with us, I'd, I'd sort of feel like fish out of water, like, why are we on this bill? We're not metal, and doesn't it? Because metal is like sort of, especially like pure metal. I'm not talking about hair metal now, uh, but like if you're if you have a metal band, that's kind of its own thing, and like you know, it's more common to have like you know two or three metal bands in a row, that kind of a thing. It, it you know, because you know. Metalheads are there to see only metal. They're not there to see your little pop rock band or whatever. They're they're gonna like go get sure, a, get sure. a drink during that part and stuff like that. Um, but lately, you know, the the music that I've been making and that we've been playing is more stoner rock. So now I feel like we're the metal band. You're kind of kind of sidling up to it a little bit. Yeah, I, I played in a metal band for a little while, but <laughs> so, stoner rock direction. I like it though. Like, yeah. oh yeah, those songs are really great, good. <laughs> yeah, but I think by that point I was kind of sloshed on um fucking what is the uh, the the uh, the fucking liqueur that Adam likes um <laughs> sambuca I was a little bit oh wow oh god <laughs> and uh, I am sorry my wife nudges me and she's like is Greg Bruno naked on stage I'm like oh my <laughs> yeah. god yeah he is fucking metal yep <laughs> it was extremely hot. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I was at Shag Talk for all of an like an hour and a half. <laughs> One, I was dying, and then it was just ridiculously hot, and I had thrown my back out the day before. So I'm like, I'll be here long enough to play music, and I'm going back home and laying on the floor. <laughs> oh man, that hour and a half maybe covered loadout for me and Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, and it was the only time Moon Rabbit ever performed as a three piece, and it was weird. That was weird. I had to try to sing Josh's songs, and it made me realize that I really. Don't pay attention when he's singing. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> but, I mean, it works, you know. It was all right. It, it was, was fun. Uh, Ron Carson was asked was telling me about that because he was like, "I think I met you at Shag Talk. All I know is your bass tone was great that day." I'm like, "I don't know, dude. There was a stack there. I plugged into it and went. I did nothing." <laughs> Fucking Ron Carson. That dude's metal. <laughs> <laughs> he's very metal. I just, I so. yeah. Ron, you heard it. You're metal. See, that's a plug. Listen to us, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Cool. Well, what? any any other hair metal musings that you may have? No, I was thinking about asking you guys what your favorite hair metal show that you've been to since you haven't performed so Ooh, many. Excellent been, point. But uh, aside the, aside from that, no. Nah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Mr. Big, not, okay. not to be like a theme or anything, but I got to see them once at the Des Moines Civic Center, and uh, that was probably the most excited I was to see a hair metal show. Um, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of what other ones I've actually seen that would constitute things, though. Well, we saw Skid Row and they kicked Skid ass. Skid Row, that's true. Skid Row did kick ass. Uh, yeah. And they had a new singer, so I was really skeptical going into it. And he yeah. started singing. I'm like, okay, no, you're you're good. You're amazing. Yeah. Uh, I went. I went and saw. I went and saw Motley Crue in 2005. I thought it was uh -huh. great. Oh yeah. They did, did uh, two sets, and the first it was like an hour each set, and like mm -hmm. the first set they only played songs off Too Fast for Love and Shout at the Devil. Oh wow. And nice. then for the second well, set, it yeah. was all the other songs. Yeah. So if that tells you anything. So. 
Yeah. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. I saw Night yeah, Ranger once Tommy, and I really liked it. Did Tommy Lee have his uh, drum roller coaster set up? No, he had uh, like little drum stations positioned like 50, 60 feet up in the air on either side of the stage. And mm. you see him, he was at his main drum kit pounding away and you see him just say something like, no, man, I don't want to do this. I want to go over there. And these wires just pick him up and whisk him over to this drum set. And he sits there and rocks on it for a while. He's like, no, I want to go over to that one. And then it flies him across the stage over to the other drum kit. And I'm like, that sounds pretty incredible. If you want to talk about production, there you go, man. And I mean, you know, that was all like rehearsed at uh, the black box or whatever. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> that's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I, you know, have been to comparatively fewer, uh, like, Hair shows. I've been to a lot more metal shows. Uh, yeah. Oh, I saw Def Leppard once open for Kiss. And, oh man, I'd have gone to see that. Yeah, and That's and Def Leppard were surprisingly good. I kind of had uh, the. I felt at the time. Um, I thought I was kind of over Def Leppard. This is in like the last like decade or so. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This is probably like five or six years ago. Yeah. And uh, and I was and a friend of mine bought tickets for us to go, and I was sort of like, oh, I'll go. You're my friend. You're buying tickets and everything. Um, and instead, I had a ball. I, I I really enjoyed it. And Def Leppard in particular stood out. Where I was like, you know, by the time the show was over, I was like, these guys have had a lot of hits. I knew like uh, you know every song except for like two in their set. And then, oh the, yeah, and the two I didn't know were like the new ones because I hadn't heard their new albums or something. You know, cool, um, right. That's what's up. Yeah, they made a case for being one of the great bands, though. I thought, you know, it's like, you know, it's from beginning to end. And the fact end. of the matter is, everybody in that band can sing. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it sounded oh, amazing. I mean, yeah. The harmonies you could do. Well, because, like, Viv Campbell, the guy who replaced Steve Clark and Def Leppard, was convinced that they used backing tracks for singing. He's like, then mm-hmm. I joined the band. It's like, no, no, we all just sing. <laughs> yeah, they're no, yeah, he's oh, a yeah. no joke, you know, Joel Elliott's a no joke vocalist, too. I mean, no one sings like him. Nope. <laughs> That's what's up. Oh yeah, mm. but nobody parties like Motley Crew. Yeah, no kidding. Oh God. <laughs> Boom. Cool. cool. Well, well, thanks for the time today, Evan. We appreciate it. It's really good talking to you, and uh, um, thanks a lot. Live long and prosper, fellas. All right, you, you too. too, bud. Take care. Peace. Take care. Bye bye. All right, and our next caller is uh, Ryan Sheeler, who is a guitar player that lives here in Ames. Um, he's played a lot of hair metal um, and a lot of other kinds of music as well with his band, the Box Brothers, and with uh, a lot of his solo stuff as well. Um, but here is a conversation with Ryan. Let's do it. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. Hey, th- this is Brian here, and Aaron's on the line as well. Hi there. Cool. How you doing How's today? Going? Doing great. How you doing this Sunday? Very good. Awesome. We're well. We're doing our uh, hair metal memories call-in show. Um, Excellent. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Would uh, Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. You bet. Um, my name is Ryan Sheeler. I'm a uh, guitarist around the Ames area. I've played with a couple of different bands over the over the years, and I've played some shows for Iowa State Theater and done some more things. I've done the solo singer-songwriter thing a little bit here, and um, there's kind of been a demand about town for a lot of years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so what, what, what are your experiences with hair metal? Oh gosh, um, that comes about. That was my junior high and high school days. My teenage years were right in the 1980s there, and so I was able to see and experience hair metal basically throughout. It's almost in pretty much in its <laughs> entire lifespan. You know, yeah, um, that's the sweet spot time wise. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can remember in grade school fourth fifth sixth grade etc. My friends bringing tapes by Rat and in various and sundry bands and you know uh, those early years that was really kind of when MTV started taking off and oh playing um, some of those early metal videos I remember Quiet Riot and things and um, nice I remember Van Halen's 1984 being a big album um, 
you know, and the transition from Roth to Sammy Hagar was a big topic on the on the school bus conversations. <laughs> going, <laughs> going to school back and forth, back and, and, and forth to this on day. the school bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I remember passing the Walkman and hearing Van Malmsteen for the first time and, and uh, you know, passing the Walkman around the school lunch table and that kind of stuff. <laughs> was that uh, was that Malmsteen in uh, when he was in Alcatraz or like Rising Force? Uh, Rising Force, probably. I think the first I heard of him was probably the the trilogy album. I think. Okay. Um, I yeah. think I was aware of him because um, I had I started I was I played I started playing guitar in like nineteen eighty one or eighty two because my next door neighbor was a classical guitar teacher. And and then um, her and her husband went over to Taiwan for a sabbatical, so she had to suggest me to another teacher, and that's when I started to kind of get into the rock and roll thing, and you know, read the guitar magazines and and uh, catch MTV, and um, I just remember how big a shadow people like you know Eddie Van Halen and Steve Vai and Randy Rhodes and those kind of people, you know, all that stuff was really in the mainstream, and it was it was the guitar kind of subculture that was all over the magazines and, you know, gear and big hair and lots of giant amps and painted <laughs> guitars. And yeah. I had to have a wall you know? of Randalls. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so Ingve was, was top I was dog right for a while. In, right in the middle of all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who, did you have a favorite? Um. Actually, still, Eddie Van Halen was my favorite of that generation to this day, actually. Yeah. Uh, I can remember um, wanting the striped guitar and, and all that stuff. And uh, I was I lived in I lived in Ames up until 1987 or so. And I can remember, you know, going to the music store and and uh, I came I came back to Ames in like 1991 or so. And there was a music land still at the mall in, in those days and. You know, it was. I spent a lot of money at that place. Yeah, I remember that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You know, a lot of you know, you you try to. Is this was pre-internet age, so I can't remember how in the world we found out about new releases and stuff. But you know, you go there after school, and they'd have a big display of who was ever. And I think I think it's like I remember new releases would be on Tuesdays yep. for some particular mm-hmm. reason. Um. You know, and the themes, the cardboard cutouts of your favorite bands and stuff would be yep. up at the front. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. You know, good days. Yeah. I remember uh, <laughs> standing in line at that music land to get the uh, Use Your Illusion albums by Guns N' Roses when they came out. Wow. Oh, heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I had, so, I had, I was in sixth grade when those came out and I had, I had a friend in my class who had a cool older sibling and I gave him a couple blank tapes and when their sibling was gone for the weekend, they went in there and made me tapes of the user illusion records. <laughs> oh yeah. Mixtapes were, man, that was it. I'll tell you. Oh, it was great. That was a great way to find out about, that was a good way to find out about stuff. Cause well, like when you were my, it, like it, at least in my age group, there was the, the cool older brother who was into stuff. Yeah. You could get a tape floated in that direction and you'd, you'd come back just full of whatever they were into. And that was a great way to find out about things for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were a lot yeah. of ads and for people cool about because taping. A lot of the cool stuff was on the radio too, you know? So, I mean, it was, it was, it was really cool. I mean, I, I had a lot of the friends that were actually into the, because bands like Metallica and Megadeth or the thrash and heavy stuff was still kind of an underground thing mm-hmm. at that, at that point. Oh, absolutely. You know, it wasn't quite as, as mainstream as it, as it is now per se. So I remember I caught a lot of my, I had a several friends that were into that, you know, and it's that whole sort of the heavier side of things was an interesting subculture. All them guys wore black, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I just got done watching a documentary about the thrash metal movement like yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I liked, I liked some of that stuff, but, um, and then I, I like a lot of the more the mainstream or the guitar hero kinds of stuff. Yeah. George Lynch and stuff like that. Or, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a big doc and fan. I had a lot of that on cassette actually too. Um, I'm trying to, th- if I had, a, if I could make a list of my, you know, my top maybe eight or 10 eighties guitar player heroes be like Eddie Van Halen, uh, Steve Vai, Satriani, uh, Neil Sean from Journey. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. 
killer guitar player. It kind of gets lost in all that, you know, but, yeah. um, then Randy Rhodes and then John Sykes and Paul Gilbert and George nice. Lynch and yeah. those kind of folks. Yeah. And we've got, uh, we have a short list of albums that, uh, we want to cover on the podcast and we have you down for the blue murder album because I know you're a John Sykes fan and not as many people know who he is. So yeah. Uh, and that's so actually, I think that's another one of the early albums we talked about, yeah. you know, and then we were like, Oh, for a guest. Yeah. Who, who, yeah. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. <laughs> not a big John Sykes yeah. crowd around here. I mean, there no. should be, but you know, yeah. I mean, that came out at a, at a, at a time when eighties metal was sort of on the wane. Oh, big so, time. I mean, I think the first blue murder record is 89. Uh, yeah. 89. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and so that kind of people forget because, you know, a lot of the albums that were coming out by poison or trickster, or a lot of the bands at the end of that era, trickster. You know, I mean, they were still selling well, but they still get kind of that whole, era at the tail, tail end of the hair bands kind of gets sort of swept under the rug a lot because it mm-hmm. sort of became a caricature of itself. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and they just, they just came along later through no fault of their mm-hmm. own, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I have not heard the name trickster in a very long time. So well, well played, sir. They have a promotional <laughs> yeah. copy of their first album. Yeah. Their cover as a visions of, of like Warren's, uh, cherry pie. Like, well, we liked it at the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the the Trickster album cover was drawn by a, a comic book legend, Neil Adams. Wow! Yeah, oh, wow! Fair enough. All right. Yeah, yeah I, he, who, did, who did who did not do very many album covers? So that was sort of I don't know how he ended up doing Trickster. Maybe that we'll have to get to that at some point and do some research on it. But yeah, that's <laughs> see now I'm intrigued. I, yeah, I was I had no sort of intentions of talking about Trickster, but oh boy, <laughs> and then now. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, that's the fun part about this podcast is the the rabbit holes that you end up going down are pretty interesting. <laughs> oh yeah, we pro- we proposed a whole sub episode like a bonus episode just talking about the career of James Lomenzo. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Cuz we were no, we were go down some Weird rabbit holes, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were, re- we were researching for White Lion's Pride, and I think both of us sit down and we're like, did you know about James Lomenzo's resume? <laughs> <laughs> I loved White Lion back in the day. I mean, Mike Tramp, would, I could take or kind of leave, but man, Vito's guitar work was so good. It oh, was, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've uh, sung his praises quite a bit on this podcast. <laughs> and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth. And Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. From what we were are able to gather, he just really wasn't interested in being part of like the major label mm-hmm. music machine world anymore and just did not like it and didn't want to be it. And, yeah. yeah. I guess I can't blame him. I've heard stories and it's, yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, there was a number of things. I had heard that, and then I heard like he was taking care of his dad. His dad dad is also sick, a fact. Yeah, he had like some long term injury. He jacked up his wrist or something. Or yeah, he had to go through a lot of physical therapy and stuff. Yeah, we did an episode on Pride, and so we ended up like doing a, a little bit of research on Vito, wondering where he was. Um, and one another one of our call-in guests uh, um, told us that uh, he was from, he's from Buffalo, New York, and he and he was telling us that there's uh, supposed to be some sort of like three-hour interview with Vito that um, somebody did that's supposed to be coming out sometime soon. So like publishing Guitar uh, World or something yeah, like, like that, in, in some sort of Guitar World article, which we're we're you know stupidly excited about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last the last interview of any sort with Vito that is available to uh, to listen to at all is uh, from 2007. He uh, called into uh, Eddie Trunk's radio show. Oh, and yeah. And they talked for like... Yeah, that's th- what I was going to say. I couldn't remember when that was, but I, I remember hearing that. Oh, yeah. I sat and listened to that whole interview. It, yeah. it, it was awesome because somebody's like, you know, you don't get to hear anything from this guy forever. And now not all those... Is he going to sit down and talk to Eddie, but for like a long time? (laughs) (laughs) But I guess like when Mike Tramp put out an album in 2008 that was a Return of the Pride or whatever, and he Mm -hmm. released it as a White Lion record. And that caused some problems. And Vito was very much not okay with that. Yeah. And there was lawsuits. And basically the long and short is now the White Lion name is controlled by Vito. He is the one who, the sole like owner of the copyright or whatever the trademark okay and i guess mike tramp was talking about this like yeah i don't blame him at all he's like i was desperate i was trying to do something i wanted to reclaim some past glory and i didn't think about it at the time but as soon as Vito explained it to me i felt horrible and yeah 
well, that's that's cool. That's to his credit, you know. Absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you have a, a Van Halen song in particular that you enjoy? Like, what's your favorite Van Halen song to play? Oh, it, it depends upon the era. Probably my Ross favorite ones are uh, Panama. Um, it talk about love and mean and mean street. Nice. Good pick. Okay. <laughs> mean street's one of my favorite Van Halen songs. <laughs> Those those are my favorite rock era ones, and then my favorite Sammy ones are uh, Dreams and Fifty One Fifty. The song, um, which is it's the title cut of Fifty One Fifty, and it was never a hit. It's on the B side. Yeah, okay. Just, that was uh, a great, great groove and like it's like great ten great guitar riffs all in one song. You know? <laughs> 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 I, I never got to see uh, uh, David Lee Roth with Van Halen. The only uh, Van Halen show I ever got to see was the 5150 tour. And uh, I, mem- oh. I remember Sammy just running around at uh, Vets Auditorium in, here in Des Moines and just every, he would just scream out 5150. You know, he would tell people, whenever I say 5150, because that's the police code for someone being crazy. You guys all have to go crazy whenever I say that. And so he just like, like every single song, he would say, 5150! <laughs> and everybody would lose their minds. <laughs> I didn't. I was. I was too young. I was like in my preteen years, was sort of when the Roth era was at its at its height. Um, mm-hmm. So I missed a lot of those shows. Um, boy, I had chances to go to the fifty one fifty vets, and then I was living in Illinois um, in the Chicago suburbs for a time, and I almost had a chance to go to the opening Monsters of Rock. It was in Alpine Valley. But I wouldn't have oh, had wow. to school, and my and my parents wouldn't have not have like <laughs> oh, <laughs> do no. that. Uh, but a, a buddy of mine's like, yeah, we got tickets to Monsters of Rock tomorrow. You want to go? And I'm like, nah, there's no way I'd get I'd get in. Like, super <laughs> oh, <laughs> I almost should have went anyway, though. Yeah, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> I get it. Because <laughs> it fell on a weeknight. I'm sure it was like a school night, Thursday or Friday mm-hmm. or something. But, oh, okay. And then I did see. I saw Van Halen in the on. At Hilton, in on the '92, the Foreign Lawful Counter Knowledge Tour, that was pretty awesome. Oh wow! Um, yeah. A whole bunch of my friends went to that. Yeah, yeah. Then I saw them in, in the '96 Balance Tour, and then the 2004 Reunion Tour with Sammy, where Eddie, Eddie was kind of messed up that night. But I think he was kind of messed up in that whole tour. <laughs> yes, I've um, I've heard interviews from multiple sides, and that whole tour was basically just a giant fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like Eddie, like Sammy and Mike would have different dressing rooms, and they they hear Eddie warming up. They're like, "Oh, he made it, okay." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> I did see the first Roth reunion tour. Well, they came to Wells Fargo. This was like early mm-hmm. two thousand eight or so. That was quite good, actually. As much <laughs> as I'm not sure if I like Wolfgang in the band or not. Uh, yeah, that was that was a good show. Roth was in good vocal form. He wasn't screwing around with the melody and all that kind of stuff. He sang everything pretty straight. That was pretty solid, actually. Nice. I remember hearing like uh, the live album they put out from that, and I thought it sounded pretty solid too. Oh, I haven't heard that live album. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Thanks, thanks for uh, uh, giving us the time for this, uh, Ryan. A- any other last uh, memories or anything you want to share about hair metal before we head off oh, to the we'll next caller? What, we'll see what comes up when the actual call comes up. I'm, I got all kinds of memories, but okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll plan on talking to you, myself. and yeah, we'll plan on talking to you more when we get to uh, John Sykes and Blue Murder. Excellent. Okay, thanks a lot. You you have a great day, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right, thanks for yeah, calling, thanks, man. man. Well, welcome back to Hair Metal Memories. <laughs> uh, this is our friend Jordan Bluejack Voigt, who was just on our last episode about Extreme, um, where he called us in from the road in the middle of Iowa. True story. Yeah. How's it going? Pretty good. Where are you at today? I'm at home. You're at home today. Hey, we okay. got you at home. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Eventful. Yeah. Well, welcome to our call-in show. We've this is our tenth episode, so we're having just nothing but call-ins. That's cool. Yeah. What have you been up to since uh, the last time we spoke? Um. Actually, between then and now, I've been playing more guitar, and I think part of it was because you guys got the 
1982 Metal Vibe going. Oh. All right. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I should probably thank you guys for that one. It's been fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you forget. You forget sometimes. Like, sometimes you just got to go plug the amp in, turn it up too loud. And yeah, let loose. Guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really kind of where it all starts. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, sure. and then after that, songs and whatnot come out of it, and all of that things. You know, hopefully, live well, shows when you don't have a pandemic surrounding you. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I uh, will see the first band anywhere when it's reasonably safe to do so, and it happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of pretty Same. wonderful right now. Same. I have a very low bar for live music right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah. I'd even go see banjo music. I would. <laughs> <laughs> On the plus side, I've gotten a whole lot more records played sitting around. Yeah. That's cool. It's definitely you a good know. time to sit back and listen to music. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, I busted I've out been... the first three Accept albums the other day. It was great. Nice. <laughs> and that was a really good time for uh, any kind of stuff like that. I... Uh, I hit up Iron Maiden a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if that qualifies as hair metal. Kick ass. But, no, but you know, a lot of our calls have do- gone other places. So Right. I'd say they're related enough. It's fair game. and, and I, I feel like both things can be in the same energy yeah. often anyway. I'm never going to say no to Iron Maiden. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> both the hosts of this show have seen Iron Maiden twice. That's right. At the Oof. same shows. That's right. <laughs> two, two more times than I have. Yeah. I would like to see them two more times. Oh, hell yeah. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think they had a tour scheduled this year, but like they're, you know, like everything else, they're pumping it back. Yep. Um, but like if they're, if they're touring next year and it's okay to go next year, I would love to see them again. They're, they're just a force in nature on that stage. You guys are going to hate me, but I, I never listened to them until like two years ago. Hey, there's nothing wrong yeah. with you. I mean, you know, you got there. Better late than never. Yeah. I didn't start listening to Maiden until I was into my 20s because originally that was just, I, I really wasn't into a lot of like the traditional stuff. And, but then when it bit, it bit really hard. Yeah. yeah. There was, uh, I listened to Iron Maiden in high school, but it was because there was like, um, in the study hall I was in, um, I mean, this is like freshman, sophomore year of high school. They're like the cool kids, like the bad boys in our school. I ended up being at their table and they had a big stack of like, you know, hit parader and circus magazines and stuff like that. And they were really the ones who turned me on to all the, all of the metal stuff I listened to. And Iron Maiden and Judas Priest were the big two for me for the longest time. That's awesome. Yeah, I was pretty lucky. It was it was weird though because uh, um, I worked for my uncle for a couple weeks. Like I went and stayed in Lorville, Iowa, and helped him put a roof on a garage. And at the end of it, you know, I had no idea what money was worth and things like that. Um, and at the end of it, he bought me uh, Number of the Beast on cassette, and that was like to help me for you know, or to pay me for helping him for all that manual labor. <laughs> <laughs> And my parents were fine with that, but for some reason, whenever I'd watch uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall, the movie, uh, my parents got really disturbed about that. And they said, that's like the heaviest music ever, and that's acid rock. I was like, Iron Maiden's like 10 times heavier than Pink Floyd. And they that's like, probably exactly what the news outlets were saying. At the <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perception is fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool, though. I bet you played that tape 100 times just to get your manual labor's worth out of it. I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I listened to the shit out of that tape. And then, of course, you know, started listening to all of their albums and just got way into it and everything. I'm trying to think of what other bands, like the kids at that at the study hall table turned me on to. They were really into Wasp. <laughs> I've, I, I kind of enjoy some Wasp, uh-uh. but uh, not a big Blackie Lawless fan. No, no. Lost was the harder sell for me. They were really into yeah, it, and I liked I, all the pictures on in the magazines of them because they looked like such badasses. I guess weren't. to be fair though, they had a record called "The Headless Children" that I actually kind of enjoyed. I thought that was pretty decent, but yeah. like a lot of the other ones, I had a hard time with them. <laughs> <laughs> but so it goes. On the other yeah. hand, what? Sorry, go ahead. I, I was gonna say you're kind of talking about uh, like growing up with it and stuff and. My experience is kind of unusual in the sense that, like, a group of guys that were a few years older than me 
spread the love of anti-metal metal through our town from like awesome from their age to my age. And then it went down another two, three years past me. And I think it was cut off kind of before and after that. <laughs> oh, wow. Like in, in, in my small hometown, I mean, not everywhere. Like well, sure. In my hometown. There's a hair metal window. <laughs> it was kind of cool. It just like planned up. And there was everybody was listening to Guns N' Roses and Skid Row. And everybody thought it was cool for a minute. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I know. When I was coming, well, the weird thing was when I was coming up, there wasn't like a lot of other like music people that I hung around. Right. So I kind of just bought a lot of magazines and right. just read them very <laughs> intently and collected names and went to the went to the music store and said, "Okay, I remember this name I was reading about, so I'm going to go find that. I'm going to go find that." Yeah. Uh, the occasional the occasional friend who had an older brother who had a few like a stack of tapes or something like that and they weren't necessarily music people they just had a few albums they like to listen to and I didn't know them so I would take them home and tape them and yeah learn from there yeah I remember taping a shitload of albums I would borrow the vinyl from my friends and tape them and you know and just on and on so the record companies <laughs> were right about taping I was ripping yeah. them off right and left. That's awesome. <laughs> we left this side blank so you can help. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might have still been rocking LimeWire. Oh, yeah. Getting into. Oh, I forgot music. about that. Yeah. It was a Napster, uh, was kind of like the first, and then LimeWire was the one that really kind of took off. I think that it was. You know, Napster was just music, but LimeWire, you could get about anything on there. <laughs> I, was, I was young enough. When I was using Napster, it was basically just for downloading Weird Al. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when I when I first discovered Napster, I I it, I put two and two together and decided it was a place I could get all the cool bootlegs I'd never yeah. managed to obtain. So if you look at my early Napster folders, it's largely all bootlegs. <laughs> I had such a good window to get anything I wanted very easily yeah. with no repercussions, and I have nothing to show for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all on hard drives that are who knows where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. I made the mis- had the misfortune of storing things on zip disk. <laughs> you know, that thing that literally everybody still uses. Yep, yep. They, oh yeah, that was. We didn't think that was going anywhere. Zip disks were the shit when they came out. It was like, how could anything be better than this? Wow, you can store so much on here. You'll never need anything besides this. Yep. Yeah, I think they're like 250 megabytes or something like that, yes, which just felt they, they felt huge. <laughs> 250. 250 megs felt so large back then. Uh, so, uh, what's your favorite Iron Maiden album, Bluge? Um, I, I'm not familiar with them enough to say, okay. I mean, I, that's fair. I just kind of pick a random album and I go through it and I'll do that two or three times. So I have more listening to do before I can give you that, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Okay. That's a fair answer. And honestly, the right answer is Power Slave. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Power Slave is pretty, pretty up there. Yeah. Yeah, peace of mind also is up there. Yeah, cause I th- yeah, <laughs> see, yeah, it gets tough. And but then you get and then you get things like where there's some albums that that aren't like super front to back good albums, but they have a song on that's like so good that it right, it elevates the whole album. <laughs> that song's called Fear of the Dark. Yeah, because <laughs> like some of that album's kind of eh, I don't know, maybe yeah. not my bag, but it's so worth the wait in that they yeah. put Fear of the Dark as the last song and. Holy shit, that's a good song. So whatever. That is a good song. <laughs> yeah. And that's the one, if you ever get to see them live, that's the one that the whole cr- brings everybody together in the yep. arena. <laughs> they're, they're so high energy just listening to them. I can't imagine a, a show. But. Yeah. Yeah, that dude, that dude, Bruce runs across that stage, man, all night and he, sings like that. Yeah, he sings like an opera singer and is running around between the tiers on the stage, like running up the stairs and down the stairs and back and forth. <laughs> and just, yeah, it just puts. And honestly, everybody yeah. else in the band, like, doesn't just, like, stand there or anything. They're no. all moving around and stuff. And they're all rocking. But Bruce Dickinson is one of those people that is, he's up there. He's, like, in my top five human beings, I think, just for how accomplished he is. I can't say enough good things about him. Dang. Yeah, I can't saying something from the Brad Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got you know opera level vocals. He's a commercial air pilot. He's an Olympic level fencer. He brews his own beer. He's written novels. He, I mean, the guy is just 
I mean, he's pretty unassailable as a human being. He's he finds something and he takes it on and he does it the best of anybody. And uh, and he's done that with so many things. Now you're just like, damn, dude, leave some for the rest of us. <laughs> Doesn't he ever like take a break? He doesn't Not really. <laughs> no, I don't think he's the kind of guy that knows what a break is. I think he's always looking at the next thing. <laughs> Can't relate. Yeah. Plus, he has a whole solo career. I mean, outside of writing music, you know, with and for Iron Maiden, he has a really significant solo career and um, that's taken a lot of twists and turns, too. And it's all good. I mean, he just, you know, he'll try. I think I'll have synthesizers on this one and do something a little more modern. And <laughs> like, Damn. If you had to pick somebody that's in the same category but closer to the hair metal genre, do you have like somebody that you admire as much as, you know, him or similar in the, in the hair metal world? Hmm. Really good question. That is a good question. I don't know. He's kind of a mega ultra human being, so it's kind of, I'm trying to think if there's any mega ultra human beings in the world. I didn't know if it would be like, you know, is Eddie Van Halen the guy, or is like a, one of the guitarists like a lot, guy, but... or is there like a front man maybe that does it? Hmm. Uh, well, in that case, Vito Brada because he had the good sense to say, "I want no no part of the major label music industry," right. and stuck to his guns, and has he left in '92 and never came back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's a good example. <laughs> That's pretty admirable. I mean, yeah. Yeah, other than that, I can't really think of, uh, nothing is really hitting me, but that's just because I have Bruce Dickinson on such a pedestal that. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, it, you know, and yeah, you just don't run uh-huh. across a lot of Renaissance people like that all the time. And- yeah. You know, I think of people like, uh, you know, Steve Vai, who, uh, and actually. Oh yeah, that's a good one. And I would kind of elevate Steve Vai a little bit over Eddie Van Halen, not in playing ability or any of that stuff. I can I can already see the hackles rising on the Van Halen fans out there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, suck it up, guys. I yeah. like Van Halen too. But you know, Steve Vai is like more. I, I'd I'd argue he's more versatile because um, yeah, you know, he's done like more classical kind of stuff. He's done. He played with Zappa. He, he considers you know, his work with Public Image Limited to be some of his best guitar right. work. Yeah, he's ever. played with Johnny Rotten. You know that. that and, and in addition to David Lee Rock, and in addition to White Snake, and you know his Frank own, Zappa and, and, yeah, all of that yeah, stuff. That. So and he played the devil in the movie. That's, that's right, like the devil's guitar player. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've watched that. Uh, for, for, I love that movie. Yeah, for anybody who hasn't seen it, the movie Crossroads, featuring the the Uber star Ralph Macchio, um, not Britney Spears. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, not the Britney Spears Crossroads. And spoiler yeah. alert. Daniel crosses, he, he sweeps the leg, and that's how he beats the devil. <laughs> you think it's going to be a guitar, and that's how yeah. they get you with the twist ending. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should, uh, yeah, anybody interested in, like, like hot shit guitar playing, go check out, just Google or YouTube uh, Crossroads Guitar Scene, Guitar Duel with Steve Vai. It's basically Ralph Macchio versus Steve Vai, but... Um, yeah, but it is it, it's some hot shit guitar playing in there of all different styles. There's blues and there's like and I don't remember who they who they say it is. Didn't Steve Vai essentially do both guitars or something like Steve that? Steve Vai or? did the classical bit that defeats him. Yeah, yeah, he, he's the only guitar player. That's the only person I that can get that's to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, Ry Cooter played all of the Ralph Macchio guitar parts. Sweet. So that's a that's kind of cool to think of Ry Cooter guitar battling with Steve Vai and then you know, it's like who's how's he gonna win we need Steve Vai <laughs> <laughs> I would I would the only way I would love that story a little more is if they were like hey Satch can you like right yeah oh, all, of sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden Joe Satriani shows up excuse me hold my beer <laughs> you could put a bluesy little hat on it yeah. <laughs> 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 Cool. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today, man. You bet. And uh, I, I was gonna. Last thing I'll mention. Uh, okay. Early, earlier, I was had a ran, really random playlist going, and uh, in a darkened room by Skid Row. Nice. nice. That song's and awesome. I was like I know that those two like that song. Hell yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely. I think they played that song when we saw them too. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah, and, and nice. Skid Row's on our short list of bands to get to in season two, so I, I think we'll definitely be hitting one of their albums. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd be excited. Uh, They're one of my faves. Yeah, me too. 
Well, all right. Yeah, thanks, dude. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, thanks Hell for yeah, catching man. up with us, and we will talk to you soon. You bet. Okay. Bye. Hello. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Hey, good. How you doing? Doing good. You're live on Hair Metal Memories. Oh. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is our friend Matt Dake that we're talking to. Um, I guess a, a little introduction to Matt. Matt uh, has, has been involved with the creation of music and the recording of music, and now it works in a record store and knows everything about records. <laughs> is that a fair That's introduction? That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's wow. a yeah. He yeah. He, yeah, he definitely. up of. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you want to add to that? Just I don't want to cut you short or anything. Uh, no, not really. That sounds pretty accurate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what can you tell us about your experiences with hair metal? Uh, well. When I was growing up, um, you know, when I was a kid in elementary school, it was, you know, really popular and everything. It was just all over the place. And I kind of got into some of it. I wasn't super, um, you know, obviously I was, you know, eight years old, so I didn't really belong <laughs> off to it the way. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely remember it, you know, being around and being a huge part of the cultural zeitgeist at the time. And, um, and after, you know, after the whole grunge thing happened and that all kind of went by the, the wayside, so to speak, I, I kind of, you know, shunned it a little bit. There was some of it that I still kind of liked, but uh, for the most part, I was just like, oh, it's a bunch of, you know, goofball, you know, kind sure. of party rock stuff, which as a, you know, as a punk rock loving pretentious teenager that's kind of par for the course that's right it's the antithesis of what you're supposed to like <laughs> yep. but uh you know as i got older and uh in no small part thanks to uh, your compatriot aaron there no. uh, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> um i kind of started you know getting you know getting back into it and kind of rediscovering it um specifically via uh too fast for love which um right it's it's, I, it's just a super easy to like album <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> uh you know and when i heard it i was just kind of i was like well geez you're kind of an idiot for just dismissing all this stuff so then i you know started kind of branching out a little more and i mean i'm i'm by no means an expert to this day but i you know i'll at least give a lot of it a shot now as opposed to yeah. not necessarily doing that when I yeah that's kind of the whole premise of our show right there is like that's yeah. r- that's roughly how we have felt too like you know there was there's a period where you wouldn't have caught me dead listening to hair metal because I would have felt like some sense of shame or something like that like this isn't right. cool and I'm not supposed to like it um, yeah. <laughs> you know but then with with age and as, as you get sort of tired of listening to the same crap all the time it's like kind of nice to open the doors and be sort of like well wait there is some cool shit in there Sure. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's definitely how I've come to approach it. I mean, uh, the fact that I work in a record store kind of helps because whenever we get that stuff in, I can always just throw it on the store player and check it out. And if I like it, I'll take it home. And if I don't, I'll just leave it. Yeah. Have you, have you come across anything that really like sunk in and that, that surprised you maybe or whatever that you liked? Um, let me think. Uh, well, uh, the first thing that springs to mind wasn't actually something that I found at the record store. Uh, it was that Badlands LP that you gave me a long time ago. That oh, was, yeah. that was really, really solid. <laughs> yeah. That album's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm glad that helped. That was a, that's one I stand by for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really solid album. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, pretty much anytime I run into, uh, you know, any of that kind of stuff, I'll at least throw it on. I don't, I have a tendency to not necessarily pay attention to bands or anything when I'm doing that. I'm just, I just look at it and go, yeah, that looks cool. <laughs> so I throw it on. One of the surprises for me is cause like, you know, when I was a kid, I liked poison. Like a lot of people did at that time. Yeah. And like, then I kind of got out of it and then I started kind of listening to him again. But what I found is that 
like this time around, the stuff that I liked about them was really not the same as what I liked about about oh, them sure. previously. Because I like open up and say I was like my favorite Poison record when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. and th- and I liked all the rest of them, but but like okay, and now when I go back, I really enjoy Look What the Cat Dragged In because it's like a really rough record and it's really mm-hmm. dirty and it's not nearly as polished and big as as like a lot of the yeah. like that exact same time frame. Yeah, that was uh, one that we had come in at the store a couple times, and I, man, I played that thing just a bunch, a bunch of times. Uh, you know, I ended up taking it home. Um, cause yeah, I grabbed like, one of the ones that came into your store. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, yeah, I think I grabbed it. They were both promos, I think, too, weren't they? They were. <laughs> so I was like, all right, it's not often you see two of these two promo look with the contract didn't show up. So, what the hell ever? Yeah, our uh, our friend Greg that was on the show a while back that for the White Snake episode uh, the other day he told me that he had listened to that Poison album and he said if you guys ever get around to doing that album I wouldn't mind uh, being involved with that. Really? Which I thought was like a big Greg uh, wanted to do look yeah. with the cat. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's he, as you may recall, you know, just uh, from our the episode, he's a he's kind of a deadhead more than anything, and not really into the um, whole hair metal thing. But he ended up liking that White Snake album, and then he he was spurred on to listen to a little bit more hair metal, and got into a little bit of Poison, and liked liked that one. So, yeah, I find that really surprising that he <laughs> yeah. kind of glommed onto that because that seems out of all the hair metal stuff that I can really think of, that seems like one of the least ones that he'd be right. Like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the uh, other themes of this show has been strange connections. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, as as we mentioned, well, because as, as we all discovered sitting down for that episode, one of the guys who worked on the White Snake record was a was a knob twiddler for the Dead for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when you start doing research on the people who were behind the board for some of these records, it gets like crazy what they've done. Yeah. Yeah, you run into that just in the music industry in general. Oh yeah, you know they have, you know, labels have stock engineers and stuff that they hire for. It made me realize that a lot of records I didn't like the sound on. I could trace it back to Tom Worman, <laughs> <laughs> like very specifically. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Tom, but yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like your work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Because if you if you go down the list, it's like uh, cheap tricks in color and black and white. Poisons open up and say ah. Motley Crue's girls, girls, girls. So just uh, like bam, 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 you're hitting like all my least favorite production jobs, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those, those 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 all had the potential to be really good albums too. Well, sure, they they yeah. the songs weren't really the problem. They were just I don't know. Yeah, but he, they were all big hits though. So he he learned nothing. Oh yeah, it wasn't. They, they're they're not <laughs> bad from any sort of like you yeah. know. He was rewarded I don't know, for capitalist that capitalist viewpoint, but <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know if I like this record. Well, sold millions of albums, so we're, we're using him again. <laughs> All right, give us another one. <laughs> it's a trade-off, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whereas when I was trying to look up the guy who recorded "Look What the Cat Dragged In," I didn't recognize his name or most of a lot of his history. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm gonna have to look into that now. I'm curious. Right. <laughs> Well, because they themselves said it was essentially a demo and that they had meant to do more work on it, but then they didn't. Oh, fair enough. (laughs) So do you see a lot of traction in the record store for, I mean, are there people buying hair metal albums these days? Oh, big time. Really? Dude, the market for that stuff's getting nuts. We cannot keep it in stock. We can't keep it around. I didn't know Um, that. As soon as any kind of like 80s metal, as soon as it hits new arrivals, it's gone within about a half an hour. Holy crap. Wow. We can't keep it like we can't keep it on the shelf. Huh. There's a there's a a nice endorsement for hair metal <laughs> right there. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I think part of it is, you know, since it's a record store, a lot of the people that we get coming in oh, right. that stuff, you know, they're you know, they're pushing fifty. Right. And, you know, they're trying to kinda get all those albums back that they used to have. So we do see a lot of the nostalgia contingency. Yeah. A contingency coming in and you know looking for looking for these LPs that they had and there's a surprising amount of them but we also you know we we also see kids coming in looking for this stuff too huh you know like uh 20 year old metalheads who were you know into like you know early thrash metal and stuff and they're trying to you know just check out basically everything that's around so you see 
you know, people buying like, you know, stuff like crocus and nice, <laughs> like just, you know, like stuff that you wouldn't really expect, you know, these huge, yeah. you know, like battle vest, uh, type kids. Going yeah. By. Yeah. I'd love to do, uh, uh, an episode on the blitz by crocus. I think that would be a fun record to cover. I wonder if that's the one I have. I have a crocus record sitting up, sitting <laughs> on my shelf and I, I honestly can't tell you which one it is. <laughs> I, that's not a name I hear very often, so it stands stood out to me. <laughs> well, usually, when you're talking about like the great uh, Swiss metal, you would go straight to Corner or Celtic Frost, and you wouldn't even bother talking about Crocus. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry if that's harsh, but I mean, come on. <laughs> wow, do you get a lot of Crocus records in? <laughs> we do. Really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we see a lot of that kind of stuff. We see a lot of um, we see some like accept and oh, that's you know, like, what I'm talking about right there. And all you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, we do see that stuff from time to time. Wow. Yeah. Cause, oh man, there's a there's a couple of the early accepts that. Yeah, you just don't, I don't know. I don't see them a lot, and I, I'd jump on that stuff if I, if they if they came up because yeah, I still don't have Breaker. <laughs> I really want Breaker. It's such a good record. Well, if I ever get back to work, I can keep you posted. There you go. Yeah, I was gonna say the 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 record store you work at, Triple Z Records in Des Moines. Uh, is it? Uh, are you guys open back yet? Yeah, uh, they're open, but I'm on uh, layoff. Okay. So, okay. So he's trying to he's trying to keep it like as safe as humanly possible. So sure, know. and just have a one man show to kind of like you know re- yeah. reduce the variables and reduce overhead yeah, costs and all that. Yeah, and he's that makes sense. He's running limited hours and stuff too, so yeah, yeah, it's a little easier on him because he's only there for six or seven hours a day. So yeah, that's awesome. And uh, you know, and big big shout out to independent record stores all over. I mean, that's uh, I, I I hope all the record stores survive. I mean, record stores have a hard enough time as it is, but like uh, you know, this this situation certainly isn't helping. Yeah, it's I mean, we're we're hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, do you have anything else you want to add about hair metal before we go on to the next caller? Um, not that I can think of. I just want to kind of keep exploring it and just That's keep finding as much out about it as I can. Yeah. There's a ton of rabbit holes we've discovered. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something I'm starting to notice. Yeah. And I'm sure a ton of rabbit holes we haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of unexplored avenues there. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us, Matt. Yeah, yeah we appreciate it, dude. It. All right. Take care of yourself. Yep, you too. All right. Later, man. Bye. Bye. <laughs>